Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. Happy New Year, Janet. Happy New Year, Lucia, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. It's 2021. Yes, and fingers <laughs> crossed that it is better than 2020. <laughs> I don't know that I share your optimism, but in the spirit <laughs> of your optimism, hopefully it'll rub off a little bit on me, yes. Yeah. So to start off the new year, we have a movie that I've never actually seen before today. <laughs> How about you, Janet? Oh, well, let's say we've recast The Firm for today. Yes, that's right. I have seen this. I was the one who selected it. And I initially saw this when it came out in 1993 and did watch it again for this purpose of recasting. And I just feel like... Tom Cruise is a favorite here at Repodcasting. We love a favorite to recast to, him. Yeah, a favorite to recast, that is. Exactly. <laughs> so this movie's from 1993, a long, long time ago. And it's actually the first John Grisham novel turned into a movie. That's right. Yeah. But that same year, like just three months later, The Pelican Brief was also released as a film. So how did it do at the box office? <laughs> It was a commercial success from what I read. The budget was $42 million and it went on to make $270 million. That, Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, commercial success. All because of Tom Cruise's star power. I guess so, but man, well, oh man, try watching it in 2020 and I don't get it. <laughs> I feel like this movie gives us some really wonderful choice Tom Cruise moments of weirdness. And And some some choice Tom Cruise running. (laughs) Well, that's a given, I feel, (laughs) in all of his movies. Like, even to this day, I mean, he's almost 60 years old, and he's still still running like the wind. Um, There was a moment pretty early on in the movie where I think it's Tom Cruise and Gene Triplehorn are driving to Memphis and it's nothing major. Like they make a joke in the car and he laughs, but I don't know what it is, but seeing Tom Cruise laugh is a really unsettling sight. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually glad that you mentioned that scene, Lucia, because I read this great article and I would encourage people to like Google this because it was so funny. It made me laugh. It's on the website Thrillist and it was written by a guy named Dan Jackson. And it is such a good article because he's watched the movie and then he talks about like the weirdest Tom Cruise moments in the movie. And that was actually One of the weird moments that he mentioned, what you just mentioned about how he starts doing this maniacal laugh when he tells this joke. And I I feel like that's like the first time we see the Tom Cruise maniacal laugh like that. He's just, Tom Cruise is so extra with everything, right? 
king. He very much is. Yeah, agreed. He is. He's um, the king of extra. <laughs> and has been for decades. I wish there was an Oscar <laughs> for best... <laughs> I don't even know how you would phrase that. But he would have won several by now if there was if there was an Oscar category for that. Like, for being super extra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would have won for pretty much every movie he's in. <laughs> So the synopsis, and for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, I'm not sure. I typically would say like, yeah, watch it and then recast along with us. This is over two and a half hours. I wouldn't recommend watching this. So I'll just give you the synopsis in case you haven't seen it, dear listener. Young hotshot lawyer fresh out of Harvard starts working at a creepy firm that was blatantly controlling every aspect of his life and then finds out they're controlling every aspect of his life while doing some major illegal shit. So he covertly takes them down with some minor illegal shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It was, it's way too long. Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. There's no reason for this movie to be so long. They could have easily shaved off half an hour to 45 minutes. Yeah. And you can tell that the movie thinks it's really smart, which is very irritating at many times. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so let's take a quick break and then we will come back and do our recasting. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profit groups that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski. And we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network. So it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. And now back to the show. And we're back. And Janet, how about you go first with your recasting choice? Sure. The role of Mitch McDeer, played by Tom Cruise. Like I said, I mean, this was kind of at the height. Well, I guess I feel like Tom Cruise already had like a few hits under his belt when he finally did this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sure one of the reasons that he was tapped for the movie was his extreme star power, right? He had, I mean, Tom Cruise still has star power. I mean, as much as we, yeah, as much as we make fun of him, like his movies still make a lot of money. He's still doing the Mission Impossible movies, right? So Mm -hmm. I think he's just one of those, he's a movie star, right? Yes. And he's still a big draw. Like, even if... Apart from Mission Impossible, which I think does those movies do well pretty much everywhere. Even, you know, when he does something like The Mummy that I think did not do very well, I'm pretty sure those kinds of movies still do pretty well overseas. People just want to go see Tom Cruise. True. Yes. He is still a bona fide movie star Mm -hmm. and he still has the power to dominate a box office for sure. So, you know, like, again, he is so extra, but I feel like that's just a Tom Cruise characteristic now. One thing that I really laughed at watching the movie was the scene right in the beginning of the movie. I think it's like within the first 15 minutes of the movie where he's walking down the street with his wife and their friends. I and know he what just, you're going to say. <laughs> and he just randomly, like, starts doing backflips with a child in the street. <laughs> that is so wild. Why? <laughs> because I, that's not in the book. 
Um, I feel like they specifically added that scene, like just to showcase Tom Cruise and his amazing athletic prowess. So do you think it was really him? Absolutely. Mm. That either, that had to come from Tom Cruise, like, because you often hear about how he, you know, he's just so extra in the sense that he always wants to do his own stunts and he always wants to like run the fastest and be the only one running. I have a story about that. I'll tell you that after. But I could totally see that backflip thing being like Tom Cruise going to the director and being like, hey, I should totally do a backflip with this kid down the street. (laughs) And like the kid is busking. So he's really just Mm -hmm. making the kid look bad as if what he's doing is not that special. (laughs) Yeah, like it's always Tom Cruise always has to look better than everyone else. Yeah, he even right? has to upstage and I feel, a small child. Yeah, yeah, like he even he couldn't he has to upstage a child exactly. So I just laughed so hard because I felt like you know because it is an old movie, like watching it from the lens of 2020. Like I was dying. This is amazing. I love this right now like right in the beginning of the movie what a way to start it so I don't know like the actor that I selected I don't know that I could see him doing backflips down the street but also that scene probably wouldn't have even been in there if this actor had been selected so I went with Kevin Bacon because I'm a huge Kevin Bacon fan and also I know Kevin Bacon everyone knows who he is of course, right? Hopefully. <laughs> if you don't know who Kevin Bacon is, you've been living in a, a bunker for your whole life. But anyway, Kevin Bacon has had, you know, a very amazing career as well. But Kevin Bacon, I don't know. I feel like he's he often doesn't get like that recognition that he deserves, even though he is a great actor. You know, there's just some people who have had like that star billing and I'm not sure that Kevin Bacon has necessarily had that mind you he's had an amazing career and certainly a varied career as well but I think he would have been good in this role I think he would have brought like there's a sharpness to his acting right he's intense as well but it's an intensity that doesn't come across as like it's punching you in the face or doing backflips in your face the way Tom Cruise's intensity does, right? I wish you could have uh, seen my face when I saw that moment in the movie. I almost took a picture because my face was frozen in like just <laughs> disgust. I don't even know what the there's not a word for the emotion. <laughs> but didn't you laugh? I was too shocked. <laughs> There were moments in this movie where I cackled for sure. But at that one, it was also so early on, like you said, that like my mouth just, my jaw dropped and I was just like, my brow furrowed. I was so confused more than anything else. Yeah, I think it is. It's definitely a moment where you you kind of say to yourself, what did I just see? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Yeah, um, but yeah, sure. Kevin Bacon, uh, that's great. Because one thing that I felt, this is going to sound mean, and I, I, I don't mean it to be mean, but I just, this is just how I feel. When they're talking about how this character, Mitch McDear, is, you know, number five in his class, and he's so smart and so much smarter than everybody else in the room. And I just don't get that vibe from Tom Cruise at all. And it's, it's not that I think he's a stupid person or anything like that. It's not that nothing like that. But there's just I don't buy it. And I, I'm not sure why. <laughs> so you're saying that you don't get like the intelligence vibe off of Tom Cruise. Oh, that sounds so mean. But yeah, I don't. Whereas like with someone like Kevin Bacon, if the exposition is telling you he's number five in his class at Harvard Law, I buy it. Maybe, you know what it is. I mean, not to say, like, I think Kevin Bacon is is attractive. I think he's handsome. But I think maybe Tom Cruise is almost, like, there's a certain pretty boy quality mm. to him that maybe makes you kind of look at him, especially in his earlier roles when he was young, right? right. And you kind of go, oh, he's just such a pretty boy. Maybe that's what it is. You might be right, because if they tried to put Brad Pitt in that role, I wouldn't have bought it either. (laughs) (laughs) Brad Pitt. Oh, my God. That's amazing. No. So, Kevin Bacon is my recast. Very nice. I like it a lot. Um, One of the things that was bothering me, another one of the things that was bothering me about Tom Cruise in this role is, so, you know, he's fresh-faced lawyer right out of law school. And so I was just kind of looking up, like, how many years of schooling do you need to be a lawyer? And so, you know, in theory, you can be a lawyer, you can start being a lawyer as early as the age of, like, 25-ish, if if you haven't skipped a grade or anything like that. And Tom Cruise was 31 here. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of have to buy that at some point he took a six-year detour on his schooling and then still ended up top of his class. I get what you're saying. I think we're supposed to believe that, like, the character of Mitch McDear is some sort of, like, super, well, and he's described that way, like a hotshot, right? Yeah. The super hotshot prodigy genius guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get that we're supposed to, like, that's the character, and... Tom Cruise is supposed to embody that. Yeah, so maybe the fact is that Tom Cruise is supposed to be playing a 25-year-old. I don't know. But anyway, it was kind of bugging me, so I wanted to look for someone a little bit younger. And also, maybe this was my own interpretation of it, but to me it felt like, you know, he is a hotshot. He's kind of arrogant and, you know, he's easily like they play to his ego and that works really well. And then he kind of takes a journey into trying to do what's right. Whereas initially it's just very much about what's in it for him. So I wanted somebody who I felt could kind of like he didn't play that. He was just kind of there the whole time. He wasn't, I didn't buy that he was this arrogant hotshot lawyer. So I thought that Guy Pierce could kind of play that up a little more. Right, right. Yeah, Guy and Pierce, he was 26 yeah. at the time. At that right. point, he hadn't really done anything in the United States, He, but he had done a lot of work in Australia. And he ended up doing LA Confidential just a few years after this. Right. Yeah. And also, I think Tom Cruise is very, very cute, very pretty boy, like you were saying. I totally agree with that. But I don't find him sexy. Like, he doesn't really have, like, a sexiness to him. And I bought 
the relationship with him, or sorry, I did not buy <laughs> the relationship between him and Gene Triplehorn. So yeah. I thought that, like, I could picture Guy Pierce selling that part more as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Well, I like Guy Pierce. I think that's a good choice. There's just like an intensity to Guy Pierce as well. Right. That. I think he could, he would play it differently, obviously. Yeah. For sure. And yeah, I like bet Kevin, he could run like nobody's business. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Kevin Bacon too. Kevin Bacon can run. He's For so sure. like slender and athletic looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're here like sitting, talking about running, but I think <laughs> the running thing is definitely, it's a Tom Cruise thing. Oh, of course. For sure. Yeah. Because, like, he runs so much in this movie. And it's like, why is a lawyer running so much? And, like, it's all about running and making photocopies. <laughs> That's what this movie is about. It's just, you know, I, I think it's so hilarious that you've got this, like, intense movie and people are dying. And he's like, I'm going to take them down by their billable hours. Like, it's so oh, weird. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> I know, but it's the book, right? That's what oh, happens sure, in the sure. book. Um, but yeah, I like your choice for thanks. the recast. Did you happen to catch somebody who we've talked about on repodcasting before near the end? His name is Joe Vitarelli. He played Gwyneth Paltrow's Irish father in Shallow Hell, our very oh, first episode. Oh, yes, yes. And we should mention Joe Vitarelli, rest in peace, because I think initially oh. when we... <laughs> Initially, when we did our first Shallow Howl was our very, very first episode. And I don't even think we acknowledged that that poor man had passed away. We oh, were dear. like clueless. But yeah, that man has passed away, Joe Vitarelli. Yes, I, you know what? I did notice that he's in it. Yes. Yeah, he was Joey Marolto. Um, yeah, and then well, there was something that I was really surprised about because maybe just because of the year, but Halle Berry auditioned to play the woman on the beach who Tom Cruise has sex with. Oh, I didn't see that. Was she not already, maybe not like a big star, but wasn't she already acting in 93? Like that character is an important one, but not on screen for very much and doesn't even have a name. Like it just felt weird that like Halle Berry felt like too big for that role. No, I don't think she was yet. I don't know. I would have to Google it because I, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like she probably, if she, they, if, even if they made her audition for it, she couldn't have been that well-known yet. I guess, yeah. There were a few other facts that I found, because this was, it did very well at the box office, but it also got a lot of Oscar nominations. Yeah, I saw that. There were, I had completely forgotten about the award recognition. Yeah, this, and, well, yeah. and even just like the cast, there were a lot. Every two minutes, I was like, whoa, they're in there? Oh, they're in this? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, it was a stacked cast, for sure. Mm-hmm. And Holly Hunter, who I love, she was only on screen for less than six minutes total. And it's one of the shortest performances ever nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of performances that I really enjoyed in the movie, much more so than than from the leads and uh, she was definitely one of them I really liked her in this movie yeah me too I also loved that Wilford Brimley was in this as like a serious bad guy 
Mm-hmm. And he played it very convincingly, too. Oh, yeah. It was so funny, though, because, you know, he's still Wilford Brimley. So near the end where Tom Cruise is beating him with a briefcase, I'm like, don't do that to Wilford Brimley. Like, yeah. he's just this. Well, he's clearly not. But, you know, he's he not. comes across as this fragile old man. Like, No, his, his character is a bastard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know if you read this, but Sidney Pollock wanted Mitch to have an affair with Avery Tolar. The character was to be changed to a woman and to be played by Meryl Streep because it was played by Jane Hackman in this movie. I did see that, yeah. But you know, did you read that why they didn't go with Meryl Streep? No, did you see I that didn't. in your research? So, what I read, and I thought this was very interesting because this doesn't happen nowadays. I read that John Grisham, who is the author of this book, mm-hmm. ultimately had a say in casting. And John Grisham was the one who was against the character being a woman and against Meryl Streep wow. being uh, cast, which I thought was really interesting because nowadays when you hear about a book adaptation authors are the first ones to always say, please don't come at me for the casting. I have no hand in the casting. I have no say in the casting whatsoever. Like that's the first thing that they sort of say. And it's always kind of like, you know, don't, don't come at me for the casting because I had nothing to do with it. So I wonder if that changed for a reason. Or I wonder if it depends on the book's popularity, because remember E.L. James, I don't know if she had a hand in casting specifically, but she seemed to have her hands all over the Fifty Shades movies. She did, but that's also because she was like one of the executive producers and she was writing the screenplay. Mm -hmm. And from what I saw in terms of John Grisham, he wasn't a producer on the film and he didn't write he wasn't part of the collaborative process of writing the screenplay either. So yeah, I just, I thought that was really interesting. I was like, well, why did he have any say in it when he wasn't even like an executive producer or anything on the movie? Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been such a different movie (laughs) if Mm -hmm. it was Meryl Streep instead. Actually I was Gene Hackman's character I have to say, kept me guessing the whole time because I could not figure out where he stood. And I think I'm saying that as a good thing because there'd be times where I'm like, oh, he's really evil and he knows everything that's going on. And then he would say something where it's like, oh, no, he's fully trusting in Tom Cruise and like he's not understanding what's happening. And then he would go and do something like hit on Tom Cruise's wife and be like a total creepo and then turn around and do something like let her get away where they were probably going to kill her. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I enjoyed Gene Hackman in this role. Mm-hmm. I thought he gave a, an excellent performance. Yeah. I think he pretty much always does, though, no? That guy's amazing. He does, yeah, of course. But sometimes you have an actor who's accomplished, and, you know, again, they're in a role that's not really right for them, mm-hmm. or you, you kind of scratch your head and you wonder why they were cast in that role, but... Gene Hackman has that. He's consistently good in no matter what he does. Mm -hmm. A couple other things I noticed. Tom Cruise originally wanted to star and direct in this movie. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't think he's ever directed anything though. Like this was way back in 93. So it's, it was surprising to read that and then to see that he still hasn't directed anything. Right, right. But maybe, I don't know, just maybe he changed his mind about what he wants to do. And then lastly, I found a couple of other people who had been considered for the role of Mitch McDeer. And that was Jason Patrick and Charlie Sheen. Oh, I didn't see Charlie Sheen, but I saw Jason Patrick. And it's funny because I was reading an interview where they asked him about it, Mm -hmm. if he regretted turning down the role. And he, uh, he gave such a gracious answer. Basically, he said that the script that he initially saw for this movie was not the the script that obviously Tom Cruise ended up getting. And he basically said the movie was a hit because of Tom Cruise. So I thought that was very gracious and complimentary, right? Yeah. I thought that was a nice way to answer it. Yeah. Yeah, That is nice. But can you imagine Charlie Sheen in this role? Yeah, I think I could actually. Yeah. Again, I'm probably looking back through a 2020 lens, which is like, just thinking of Charlie Sheen now and everything that he's done in the last, like, let's mm-hmm. say 10 years, it's really hard to picture him in a role like this. But yeah, I guess in 93. Yeah. I actually could see Charlie Sheen in this role. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, the ratings for this movie on IMDb, it got a 58%, which is actually pretty low considering the box office and the accolades. And that was from 16 critics. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 75%. And that was from... 57 reviewers. So Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big spread there. Usually they're closer. I have to say for me, I would put it more in the IMDb range of like 50 something. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, like I say, I saw this when it came out in 93. And, you know, at the time, Tom Cruise was a big deal. He was a really hot star. And he was so popular, right? So I feel like now it's uncool to like (laughs) Tom Cruise. I feel like if you're still in like a certain age group, like maybe you like him. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm certainly like of the age group that should like him, but I don't like, I think, I don't know. I look back and I just kind of laugh. I mean, initially when he was like really hot and popular, like I was in high school or early 20s. So yeah, like back then it was like, oh, he's so good looking. He's so cool. He's such a great actor. But I don't know. Now that I'm older, I just, I laugh at his performances and I can't, maybe, you know, obviously I'm older and I don't know, maybe my taste in movies has evolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I maybe think... I've evolved. I don't know it, what it is, but I can't sit and watch anything with him in it anymore and take him seriously. I'm always rolling my eyes at him now. Yeah, for sure. I think I mentioned, because this is not the first time we've recast Tom Cruise on repodcasting, so I might have mentioned this last time as well, but the only role that I do take him seriously in is in Tropic Thunder. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I think he's legit funny in that, and I enjoy his performance. But but maybe because that character is expected to be so extra and over the top. Yeah, yeah. 
Ben Stiller figured out how to use Tom Cruise properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we will just take our last break before finishing with our final segment. This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation. Whether it's funding anti-racism programs, addiction recovery, or food hampers for the hungry, for 65 years, the Calgary Foundation has proudly supported the charitable community to address some of Calgary's biggest challenges. Now, during this period of unprecedented urgent needs, Calgary Foundation renewed its commitment to building a healthy, vibrant, giving, caring, and resilient community. If you're a registered charity looking for a grant, a professional advisor creating a giving plan for your client, or a donor wanting to give back to community, discover a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org and learn more about their work through Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And now back to the show. And we're back, and it is time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the parts in this movie. So, Janet, where did you think Tony Danza fit best in The Firm? So, watching this movie, I knew instantly where I was going to uh, slot Tony Danza in, and I cast him as Eddie Lomax, private investigator. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I liked Gary Busey in the role, right? I thought he was really good, but I was like, this is the perfect role for Tony. I can see him as this private investigator. I can see him doing this. He's got the right personality for it. He's just, he's got the right energy. I was like, I would totally love to see Tony Danza's iteration of that character. Yes, that would be very fun. I ended up casting him as Eddie Lomax's cellmate, Raymond McDear. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I really like David Str- Strathairn. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Why Why do you want Tony Danza to be in jail? <laughs> well, I like David Strathairn, but I did not think, I didn't buy him in his role either. I don't know what it is. There's something about his look and his demeanor. And I was just like, what is he? He shouldn't be in this role. What's going on? And Tony is like ripped. He could. He is. (laughs) And not that you see his body. You don't see that character's body. But, you know, somebody who spends all their time in prison is probably spending a lot of time working out, right? Okay, Lucia, sure. If you were directing this movie... Any scenes with with uh, with Ray? Was it Raymond McDear? Yeah, they would have all been shirtless. Well, perhaps. Tony. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear! I always turn into such a perv during this segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Tony Danza. It's completely understandable. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have been good because you also do see from the start that, like, yes, he's behind bars, but you can tell that he's not. He's not a hardened criminal. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I almost, for a minute, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I could cast him as the brother. But then the more I watched it, I was like, no, Tony is Eddie Lomax. Yeah. yeah. yeah There's no fun. question here. Nice. Okay, well, I think that pretty much does it. Do you have anything else to say about the firm? I do not, except that... Viewed from the lens of 2020, it is a wonderful comedy film. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. It's so cheesy. The music is so cheesy. My it's very nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, there are still lots of nineties movies that you go back and watch, and they're still fun, right? Or am I wrong? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, of course. I mean, this is not one of them, but you know what? This is the kind of movie that. If it happens to be on TV in the afternoon or, you know, if you're folding laundry, like you could have it on in the background or whatever. But honestly, like it's just got so, so many fun comedy moments from Tom Cruise that I don't know. I, I just watched and laughed a lot. I couldn't take a lot of it seriously. Amazing. Yeah, I, I laughed a lot more than I should have for this apparently <laughs> very dramatic movie. <laughs> Oh, and we didn't even mention Ed Harris. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, he's great in it. Yeah, of course. Ed Um, Harris is always great. Yeah, that's the funny thing. So, like, yeah, there are so many aspects of this that are super cheesy, and a lot of the writing I would like to change, and Tom Cruise. But there are a lot of very good actors giving very good performances in this. Absolutely. It is an excellent ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's... Tom Cruise is the star, okay? So everyone else can just sit down. Yeah. (laughs) That's always how it feels. It always feels that way. It's Tom Cruise, everyone else just go sit at the back. Absolutely. And to that point, I'm not sure who was cast first, but Gene Hackman's contract said that his name would be above the line on all related marketing materials. And then Tom Cruise's contract said that his name would be the only name above the line. So Gene Hackman had to like take a back seat. Yeah, I, I saw that when I was doing my research. What about yeah. Madonna? Well, I mean, that's why he's the star of the movie. I guess so. Okay. Well, if you have any suggestions for us on what movies we should be recasting, you can send us an email at repodcasting at gmail.com or you can message us on any of the social media things at repodcasting that's it for this month next month it'll be a departure of the repodcasting format somewhat (laughs) it'll be a bit of a surprise but i will tell you that we are still recasting a movie and we're doing a tom cruise one-two punch because next month we have eyes wide shut nice yeah so as always thank you for joining me janet thanks lucia bye bye